Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business. Uh, those of you uh, that are regular listeners of the show, you know why I sometimes do a little chuckle at the beginning. Greg, you, you did some amazing dance moves today. Did you uh, watch some more dance movies or what's going on there? I woke up. I woke up and I don't know. I felt a little Jennifer Gray dirty dancing going on. I, I just had to like get in the mood and yeah. It was, it was fun this morning. I love it. Nice, nice. Well, you know, it, it's good that we're not in the same room because then you can't do that run up to me and, and you know, and, and I can't put you in a corner. So, <laughs> well, you know, if I ran up to you and leaped, I think that's just going to end bad. That, that's, gonna, that's not going to work. <laughs> I thought I'd stumbled on the Dancing with the Stars podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got to, we got to, we got to guest on that somehow. Uh, we got to get famous enough to guest on that. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, with a growing podcast network, maybe we can get there. We actually, we just heard the voice of, of Earl Brian, who is, uh, joined the Best Business Network for the Responsible Leadership Podcast. Earl, thanks for joining us on this show. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be part of the network. Happy to be here on this show and can't wait to have uh, whatever discussion we're getting ready to have here. It's gonna okay. Be great. Well, first of all, I think I think we should it's, talk it's about a, your podcast. It's a dance show. Did we tell you that our show yeah. is actually a dance show? <laughs> you know, I feel slightly misled, but we'll roll with it, right? <laughs> the D and DIY really stands for dance, so. Right, right. <laughs> Dancing in your business is the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Got it. So, yeah, tell us about your podcast. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, so, you know, it started as the Burden of Command podcast way, way back in the day. I've been going for about three years or so now. And uh, I had an SEO specialist on the show and he says, uh, Earl, uh, you know, nobody goes on Apple Podcasts and looks for the words burden or command. Um, and I looked at my numbers and I said, well, that explains a whole lot there. So we talked about it and uh, rebranded it as a responsible leadership podcast. Uh, you know, but that's it is, is I set out to talk about responsible leadership in all its forms and get leaders to really understand the risk, not only the responsibilities of business, you know, like I've had folks cover tax, uh, uh, something called tech debt, which is a term I'd never heard before. Uh, but you know, the, the interpersonal pieces, uh, of being responsible for the people who work for you and not just, uh, inside the four walls of your business, but responsible for, um, you know, their happiness and well-being. So when they leave for work, they're in a better mood. When they get home, they're in a better mood. When they interact with their family, they're in a better mood, which means they come to work the next day in a better mood and, and building a, a positive cycle like that. So I've had guests from all walks of life covering all sorts of, uh, of uh, topics. And I start them all off with uh, some form of, of the same question. When you hear the phrase responsible leadership, what does that mean to you? Mm. And and the funny thing about when you ask that question, because I've listened to a number of your shows, it's so interesting, the variety of answers that you get. I mean, they all have a really different spin on what they think responsible leadership is. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you receive all those different things and what's your takeaway from all the different answers that you receive? Yeah, again, great question there. So that was kind of why I started it. Uh, you know, being a military guy, Marine Corps veteran, uh, started hearing, you know, with all the SEALs writing books and everything coming around, you know, people started using a lot of military terminology. That's why I started out with burden of command, because I started asking folks when I was doing leadership development, like, okay, you're using these words. What do they mean to you? 
And some people could answer and some people couldn't. So that was kind of the, the genesis of it was to get that variety of answers. And, you know, some of them have been great. You know, uh, I, I've had uh, some themes, you know, of, of being, as we talked about, responsible for the welfare and, and well-being. But, you know, there's been a couple of people who have just straight up said, I don't think it's a uh, I don't think it's a burden. I don't think it's a responsibility at all. And, uh, you know, I, I've as far as received, I've loved it. You know, when I do my my spin up, uh, I, I, I tell my guests there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. There's just your answer. Right. Because I mm-hmm. want to know I've got a curious mind around this thing. and I want to know what people's take are. And so when you hear somebody talk about uh, uh, Michael Filio talked about uh, tech debt, not something I'd ever thought about before. But he's like, to me, responsible leadership is making sure that you're not using antiquated systems. You're not okay. uh, leaving uh, back doors open for Trojan viruses. So your data gets breached and things like that. I'm like, that's not something I ever thought about of responsible leadership, but it makes so much sense. It, so have you ever been surprised by one of those answers? Um, surprised. I mean, sometimes, I mean, again, like people go some places that I've, I've never thought, but uh, when it was burden of command, I think the one that really caught me off guard was, you know, the answer initially was, well, leadership's not a burden. And if you view it as a burden, you shouldn't be in a leadership role. Mm. And, and I was like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Like, why, why do you feel that way? And once we, we got around and this kind of helped me with rebranding too, they kept using the word, well, it's a responsibility. It's not a burden. And, uh, you know, we had that conversation a little bit on there, which was great because it was a growth point for both of us. But it's like, you know, we have this thing today where we use words uh, not as they were intended. And when we talked about what burden means, you know, all burden means is a heavy load, right? It's, it's not positive or negative. It just means a heavy load. And they were always saying, well, you know, it's, it's a heavy responsibility. It's a heavy responsibility. But they couldn't get to the fact that it was a burden until we discuss. Well, this is all it means. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yes, I've been saying the same thing, so it's a burden. Uh, so yeah, I don't think I've had anything too shocking, but uh, a lot of good discussion. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the the starting the podcast with the same question every time. We we we, we may need to borrow that, Greg. <laughs> well, I, well, I think we start the podcast with the question: Why is Greg dancing so silly every time? Right. Well, actually, you know what? We do that. That's our that is our well, usual start. Hey, Russ, I yeah. got a question for you. What do you what would you what do you think about when you think about when you hear the what is responsible leadership to you? You know, I think, man, in, in the crazy thing about it and why I'm struggling to answer that is because there's like 10 things coming to mind. I, and, I, know. Been, I know. You know, it's like it's hard to narrow it down to what which one I, I would talk about. I mean, the, the tech debt thing, like that's that's key as well. And, you know, that kind of goes with my whole approach of automations and systems creations and things like that. Right. right. I think. You know, in the situation where that I'm going through, like right now, right, like I'm cleaning up systems, I'm developing systems, and I'm understanding and developing dashboards so that I can measure. And for me, the 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 that's being very responsible in this role that I'm in right now because I can't manage if I can't measure, and I can't manage on systems that I'm not fully involved in and in the creation of, uh, uh, I can, you know, if, if it was created correctly, yeah, <laughs> you know, but that sort of falls into this tech debt thing where it, you know, this, a lot of the systems were not created, 
you know, to, to lead to success for the people that are utilizing those systems. So I, I, I sort of like, I'm answering it in three different ways there, right? Like setting up systems, measuring and, and that, and that side of things, but it's also like by redoing these systems and uh, working with the team, I'm also understanding them more. So I'm turning it now more into a getting to know people type of thing. Um, so yeah, I think, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's a ton of answers to this. So that's great that you have a podcast on this because you can have hundreds of episodes because I think you could get hundreds of different answers on this. Uh, Greg, what, what about you? It feels like Greg is totally frozen. I think so. He danced himself out of it. Um, well, while we wait for Greg to connect, uh, let me let me kind of back up there a little bit and and add because as you were talking, I was listening and I was thinking you asked about the any answers that that shocked me. And actually, one one really did pop into mind that kind of shocked me a little bit. Uh, I had uh, Chief Jason Armstrong uh, as a guest, and uh, at the time, he was a police chief of Ferguson, Missouri. And this was a couple years after, uh-huh. after mm-hmm. all of that, uh, right. had broke out the Michael Brown incident. And, uh, we were talking about COVID, right. And, and he said, you know, part of responsible leadership is kind of understanding what these, uh, these populations go through. And he, he's an African-American himself. He says, you know, we're looking at the pandemic right now. He goes, and nobody stops to think, in some of these areas, it's dangerous enough for a black man to just walk into a gas station. Now we want them to walk into a gas station wearing a mask. He yeah, goes, how right. safe do you think that, that most African-Americans feel walking into a gas station wearing a mask? And I sat there and I, you know, as somebody who does diversity and inclusion as part of leadership, I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went further to unpack, you know, talking about Zoom calls, right? People turning their cameras on and off. And he's like, we got to really think to that extra level of why is that person not wanting to turn their camera on? You know, right. have they spent all night crying because, you know, one of their loved ones uh, ha- has had something happen to them? Thinking in that empathetic level when we're asking people to kind of really change their life. Why? Uh, why is that such a hard thing for them to do? And, you know, like I said, as somebody, even as somebody who talks about diversity and inclusion and leadership and that, that inextricable link between the two, that one kind of hit me like a two before, because I'd never really thought uh, about that aspect of it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I actually, I did an interview on another podcast, um, with a teacher, uh, and same sort of scenario there, you know, like the, the kids didn't want to turn it on, turn on the cameras because, of their background. They were afraid, you know, they would be made fun of for whatever was, you know, whatever the situation was going on there by the other kids and the teachers were requiring them to do it. And, and actually she helped to petition in her school district to get that to stop so that they couldn't, the teachers couldn't require the cameras on, which I guess could be good and bad in certain situations. Cause you know, I, I know of a, a kid or two that was playing Minecraft in the background. Um, so there's that, but there is that, um, uh, that aspect of just you're, you're turning on the camera in zoom and you're being in that person's house. And it's, it's something that I think maybe even leaders now, you know, should think about because we've got two instances there you talk to you know that person i talked to a teacher it's it's it is something to uh to be of you know be on your mind i guess when uh, somebody's not turning on their camera and you're meeting with them uh okay there, there's so many different directions that that we could take this like i i don't even i don't even know how many different directions we're going to be able to get to on this show but 
we'll get there. We'll talk more uh, with Earl and we'll, we'll get Greg back here too to, to talk a little bit in a second as we continue with more DIY for business on the Best Business Network and Electric House Media. We'll be right back. And welcome back to DIY for Business. Saying welcome back to you, but also to, to Greg. We had a little uh, technical difficulty that we've never had before on the show. And, and you know, <laughs> I'm one of those audio geeks that like to just leave in uh, mistakes and problems because it's actually kind of fun. <laughs> and then you can see, get a little behind the scene glance of the show. Like we, we play all the music, we do all that stuff. And, you know, we're kind of doing the show live to tape. Uh, it's a little bit weird when the co-host disappears. Uh, so, Greg, thanks for coming back to the show. Well, I apologize for disappearing. I, I got an important call. Uh, so you think <laughs> you can dance? So you think you can dance? Reached out because they they were uh, they knew about all of the uh, dancing we do at the beginning of the show. They <laughs> it was basically my audition, and they're going, "Yeah, oh, gotcha. Yeah, you're you're gotcha. in." Uh, not so at I, all technical glitch. Not at all. Not, <laughs> not at all. Maybe we're talking about tech debt. debt. Maybe maybe we should reinvest here. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, next season, and so you think and dance. Check out Greg Louie. Yep, I'll be there. Please vote. There we go. So okay, we we uh, asked you the question. You tried to answer, I'm sure. Um, but we, we, <laughs> what, is, what is your thoughts on responsible leadership? What does it mean to you? I totally forgot. Probably just, you know, don't drop off of a podcast is one of the things that, you know, you should do as a That's reader. That's a good one. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> there's so many answers to this. Um, I would say, you know, because I'm always looking for personal growth, I would say responsible leadership is for an internal thing is for me to always strive to improve so I can be a better leader ongoing, right? I'd never want to fall off. I see a lot of people, like a lot of CEOs, they kind of take it for granted that they're a CEO of a company or they're an owner of a company and they never try to improve themselves as a leader, as, uh, you know, as a CEO. And as a result, you see companies diminish over time and you see departments mm -hmm. and management development. There's a lot of things that diminish because the leadership, or in this case, the CEO, really doesn't take it upon themselves to move themselves forward, to grow as a person, to grow as a leader. Um, you know, we we're talking about tech then, you know, learn technology. Right. You don't want to get passed by on technology. Just stay up on it. We don't expect every CEO to be tech wizards. But if they don't understand any of it, then they're at a disadvantage. So um, personally, when I think about responsible leadership is like, how do I continually work on myself to be better? Here's the, the big question. So, Earl, you do you have you ever answered that, that question yourself on your podcast? Let, let's ask the question of you. What is responsible <laughs> leadership to you? You know, I, I, I've had a couple of people turn it back on me and, and, you know, when I have, when I have time, I've got a short answer and a long answer. So I'll go with my short answer first here. Uh, when I got into the fleet Marines, I had a salty gunnery sergeant tell me, he says, Earl, uh, military leadership is this simple. You have to be willing to send your people into harm's way, knowing that they could die, but you have to love them enough that the thought of doing so rips your heart out. And that really hit me because I think that is that that really strikes that balance of, of execution and taking care of your people. Uh, my long answer, um, and this is one people uh, I think tend to enjoy a little bit more because it's a lot more dramatic, 
the whole concept behind the leadership phalanx and, and coalescing around the, the Spartan iconography comes from uh, having to read uh, Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield uh, as part of the Commandant's reading list. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, um, it's kind of a historical fiction kind of view of Spartan culture, which spawned into the uh, uh, kind of the, the comic uh, that ent- eventually became the movie 300. But he's got this great speech in there where um, King Xerxes is asking one of the, the, per- uh, the Spartan survivors about what made King Leonidas so special. And here's what he says. And and those of you who are looking right now, you'll see me reading because I never want to get this wrong. So I am reading it off the script. He says, a king does not abide within his tent while his men bleed and die upon the field. A king does not dine while his men go hungry, nor sleep when they stand at watch upon the wall. A king does not command his men's loyalty through fear, nor purchase it with gold. He earns their love by the sweat of his own back and the pains he endures for their sake. That which comprises the hardest burden, a king lifts first and sets down last. A king does not require service of those he leads, but provides it to them. A king does not expend his substance to enslave men, but by his conduct and example makes them free. And I love that. Now, just to be clear, you know, this was written about a Spartan culture, so they use he a lot, but this applies to women in leadership as well. All of those same things apply. But that speech right there, like when I read it the first time, it, the hairs on, my, uh, on the back of my neck stood up, and I just thought that right there is responsible leadership. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I, I really resonate with that. And, you know, you used uh, the term your, your leadership phalanx, right? And that's kind of your production company that, that you do your podcast from. And uh, honestly, I had to look up what phalanx meant. I did not know that that term. I didn't know that word. Um, but then you also mentioned, you know, the Spartan mentality and, you know, the, um, King Leonidas and, and what he did with the, you know, the story of 300. And it all made sense. It all, all fit because of what you said. <laughs> but I want it to fit for everybody else. So, so tell us a little bit about what phalanx means and how it fits into, you know, your philosophy in leadership. Yeah. So uh, like a lot of things in life, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're into the medical terminology, a phalanx is, is a finger. Uh, but the way I use it, a phalanx, we're talking about the, the formation, right? We In modern times, we see it a lot with, uh, you know, riot police where they, they stand in line and they have the interlocking shields. Uh, but it was what the Spartans used. If you've seen the movie 300, uh, is the same basic formation that the Spartans use, where they they had their shields, they they interlocked, and their strength was in unity. Um, and part of that strength was you weren't necessarily protecting yourself; you were protecting the person next to you. Um, and as long as those shields held together, uh, the 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 Spartans were pretty much undefeated as long as the phalanx held. Um, and and when I was looking at these. 11 shields of the phalanx. Uh, they come from the 11 leadership uh, principles that the, the military had taught us. And I was figuring out how can I civilianize these while still kind of keeping that connection. And again, going back to Gates of Fire and the way the phalanx works, that's really what, what hit. Because when I talk about these shields, 
uh, the you're always on display, create an environment of success, things like that. I always tell folks, right, you can do one, you can do two. Those are all good. But when you do all 11 of these things, when you interlock them uh, like the phalanx formation, that's where the strength really comes in. And you create this uh, kind of impenetrable wall of leadership skills and, and uh, a foundation that as long as you keep all those shields in place, I, I firmly believe if you keep all 11 of these shields in place, you're, you're never going to be defeated as a leader. I think a lot of that too is, yeah, it's, it's understanding, like, you know, throwing that into, you know, roles that, that I've had, right. Like uh, in, in working with Greg, for instance, we knew each other's kind of strengths, weaknesses, but we also knew that of other managers. Right. So like understanding that, like where we could move things forward and where we, maybe wanted to have somebody else move something forward. Like there's a lot of understanding that you need to have around other, you know, like whether you're the owner of the company and you've got a bunch of managers, like you need to understand that. And a lot of that comes from, you know, just getting to know your team, getting to know who they are, communicating effectively with them, uh, understanding, you know, looking at their perspective of things, understanding your staff, your clients, all of that. That's great for a small business. How, how do you do something like that in a, larger business? Yeah. And that's a really good question. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, again, I, I use this answer a lot because I, th I feel like people are, uh, always looking for a magic bullet when it comes to, to leadership. And, uh, right. but I always say it depends, right? Because every, every situation is different. Every, uh, person is different. Uh, every organization, their culture is different. So, the, the way that I answer that question is you've got to find what works for you, what works for your people and what works for your organization, right? Um, if you have a multi, uh, multi-continental, international, global organization, that's going to be very tough to do. But, hey, it's 2022 and <laughs> we have technology to be able to close that gap quick, fast and in a hurry. And, you know, yes, that may mean being responsible leader that you're the one that has to get up at four o'clock in the morning instead of asking your staff to get up at, at four o'clock in the morning to make things easier on you. Right. That that's where that sacrifice piece kind of kicks in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really just depends. Are all your people located in, in one area? If they are, if you have, you know, 300 people in one building, walk the building, right? Make sure you're walking the building and, and, and looking to catch people doing things right instead of people uh, doing things wrong, right? I think that's where a lot of leaders fail with that. They, they go and they try to walk the halls. And as soon as they step into the room, all of the, the jocularity kind of ceases, right? Because, oh gosh, there's, there's the leader. We got we to gotta pretend like we're busy. And I tell folks, when that happens, you're sending some wrong messages when you're doing it. Right. People see you as as kind of a harbinger of doom uh, coming onto the floor <laughs> instead of somebody to talk to. Right. And that's what you want to be, because, you know, one of the shields is build relationships and look out for your people. If you're building relationships, taking the time to find the communication method that works. And oh, by the way, uh, neurodiversity is a thing. So some people are going to love getting an email from you. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love getting a phone call from you. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love talking to you in person. Some people are going to hate it. You, as the leader, have a responsibility to figure out what works for those people and use that method of communication to best reach them. So I think that's how you do it is you got to put forth the effort and build those relationships. 
When I hear you talk about the shields and the formation and the strength that we have together, what immediately comes to mind for me, and I know one of the shields, is trust. Like you have to trust the people next to you. And, and when Russ asked a question about when you have large organizations, you have to trust that you have the people that want to be there that are working to make, you know, the best product or service available, you know, and trust that they're doing what they're responsible for doing. Earlier, when I, I went away and took that phone call, you guys were talking about, <laughs> <laughs> you guys were talking about, you know, Zoom meetings and having the camera on and having the camera off. And, and Russ was joking a little bit. He goes, well, I know a lot of kids that are playing Minecraft in the background. You know, at work, the fear of, of certain managers are, okay, the camera's off. They're doing something else. They're, they're walking to the refrigerator getting getting juice or whatever, right? They're not really focused on the meeting at hand, and that's why they want the cameras on. But that's wrong. You should trust the fact that if their camera's not on, they're, they're engaged. They're listening. They're, they want to participate. Um, you know, like you were saying, Earl, when you're walking down the hall and you see the, the CEO, people are pretending that, okay, they're, they're working hard and stuff like that. That's the wrong philosophy. You shouldn't have to pretend. You should trust that, hey, people can have great time, enjoy each other's company, but they're still being productive. And actually, that could be helpful to their production. So I think trust is a huge element to you know the, the the shields and the formation and the strength of a company and the strength of a leader. So, I know we yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Where we need to go to break. So, Russ, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Um, I, I just yeah, want I just want to kind of get your feeling on the whole trust issue uh, when nice. we come back to break because I, I think it's a huge issue that a lot of leaders spend enough time on. So, we'll be back. Welcome back to DIY for Business. And yes, I'm Greg. I'm here. I didn't leave this time. <laughs> We're with Russ. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance, please go to DIY for Business uh, podcast. Check out the website. Go to the Best Business Network where you're going to be able to find great leadership shows as well as all business shows. But Earl Breon has the leadership uh, podcast. And I'm sorry, the Responsible Leadership Podcast. And he's the latest addition to the Best Business Network. It's a fantastic podcast. I really encourage all of you to go check it out. Uh, before we went to break, I was talking a little bit about trust and how it factors into leadership. And it's, it's an aspect that I feel that a lot of leaders don't really focus on and to, to build within their organization. And I just was, was curious, both of your feedback on that. Well, you know, for, for me, it's huge. Right. Like, and it, and it goes, it's multi-directional, you know, like it's, it's first of all, if, if you've got fellow managers, you've got to have trust across that. You've got to be able to build that trust. You got to trust in yourself and you've also got to trust in your, your team that everything's, you know, going to get done. Trusting in yourself, I guess, is more about, you know, trusting your decisions that they're at least, you know, like you can get behind your own decisions. And if you, you can get behind your own decisions, if you, you know, your team's going to see that if you can't, then they're going to see that as well. So I, I think just trust is, is a big topic. And again, I can have multiple answers, 
but I think, you know, trust up, down and sideways is, is what, what you need. Earl, I want your feedback, but I want to respond to what Russia said. I, you know, when the leader can get behind their decision, I totally agree with that. But I also feel that a lot of leaders only want to get behind their decision and they don't oh, yeah, want to trust yeah. other people's decisions and other people's leadership, right? So I think it's great to have self-confidence in the direction that you want to take your company. But I think collaboration is important too and the trust that you're bringing on top people for a reason. Right. You got to trust that they're gonna they're going to bring their new idea yeah. and make the whole is going to be better than the, you know some of the parts as they say. Well, that goes to I'll, I'll throw that on that goes to trust your hires. You know, like trust yourself in the decision that you made and making that hire, and know that they're probably you know whatever it's 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 search engine optimization. Earl earlier mentioned you know he trusted this person that okay this isn't the thing that people are searching, so I'm going to trust it and rebrand my whole show. Because I'm trusting this person, and that's trusting also his own decision in, in selecting that person, and 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 knowing that that's that's okay. But yeah, that that gets bad when you're only trusting yourself. And actually, that goes to my other answer that I didn't say earlier on the responsible leadership thing <laughs> is getting a diverse work staff and getting diverse opinions in. Like that's another uh, I think good answer to the responsibility. I'm going to keep answering that question um, throughout the day here. But yeah, interrupting you, Earl, what, what, what was your uh, answer to that one? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you both brought up some great, great uh, points there. And, and uh, you know, this is a five hour podcast, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. I got plenty of time. Um, you know, so, you know, the piece there about the, you know, trusting your people, right? Uh, back in episode 153, um, I had Erica Anderson talking about change ready. And she said something I thought was absolutely brilliant you know she talked about going into organizations that that claimed that they were ready for change and she said you know the one thing that i noticed because people are only ready for change that they are comfortable with people you know you, you say hey i'm ready for change i want to grow i want to grow but when i start we start talking about and you get the ideas that maybe are counter to your own you don't get comfortable with it because it's not your idea of what change should be in change mm. uh, isn't always about your idea. You don't always have the best idea. And as you mentioned there, Russ, if you're hiring the right people for diversity and, and uh, making sure that cognitive diversity is part of that, you know, you're going to hear some change that you may not agree with. And that kind of goes back to what we're talking about here with zoom and, and uh, you know, the way a lot of, modern organizations are starting to change when it comes with that. Um, one of the big things talking about having cameras on is the trust piece again, but does it matter, right? Does it matter if that employee is going and watching Netflix for an hour on your time? Are they meeting their productivity goals? Are they doing the things that you're paying them for? Right. You know, cause you have to ask yourself the question, do you want somebody who's going to sit there uh, be disengaged, be unhappy, but they're there for eight hours. Or do you want somebody who is happy, engaged, uh, efficient, and they can get the productivity levels met in six hours, and then they go and they watch Netflix for two hours? Right. You're, you're getting a quality product out of them. Does it matter? For some companies, for some organizations, for some things, it absolutely may. That's a question you have to ask yourself. Does it matter for you? how they get the job done as long as they're getting it done in a high quality uh, fashion. Right. 
Yeah. And I, and you know, I mean, there's obviously layers of question or layers of, uh, <laughs> uh, the onion there, we'll just say that, yeah. uh, that, that uh, with, with that, but you know, it, it, it goes to an episode of, uh, you know, DIY too, where it was just, you know, like this whole work-life balance. Right. And we talked with a psychologist about like how, um, stepping away is, is a good thing. So, you know, maybe it's not sitting there for two hours on Netflix, but I think if you've got, you know, somebody that's taking maybe even more breaks than they need to, but they're a super performer, let them, you know, however, here's the, 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 another layer of that onion. When you see one person do that and you've got a person, you know, that, okay, in six hours, they're, they're not getting they're they're not hitting their goals. They're not doing that. As a as a leader, that puts you in a difficult position, right? Because now you're allowing this person to go off and watch Netflix or you know 15 minute videos. Uh, go watch Mr. Beast for 15 minutes an hour, or and this other person is like, okay, now you you shouldn't do that because you're not hitting those same. So how do you how do you balance that? How do you manage those two different um, people that are having those types of results? Well, I think you just answered your, your question right there. You know, this is what we're talking about. you got to lead and manage people differently. Uh, you know, that was one of the things that did used to drive us crazy in, in the military was, you know, one person would do something uh, silly and everybody got punished for it. Same thing happens in modern workplaces, right? If you've got, if you've got one person who abuses that perk, uh, that's lazy leadership taking that perk away from everybody. Right? Yeah be a responsible leader and have the conversation with this person. This is what you're not doing. This is where we need you to be. How can I help you get there? Because, you know, you, you don't want to punish everybody uh, for what the one person is doing. And I think that's really the the key there is, is you don't have to lead and manage uniformly. You just don't. Everybody is different. Everybody has a little different style. Everybody wants to be talked to a little bit different. Everybody wants to be related to a little bit different. Some people want to talk about uh, TV shows. Some people want to talk about sports. Some people want to talk about barbecue. Uh, some people want to talk about, you know, science. Uh, but find, and again, going back to build relationships, find out those things and realize you do not have to lead everybody exactly the same way. Trying to do that is lazy, saying yeah. you can't do this because this person didn't do it have the conversation with the person who's not meeting the standard. Don't punish the people who are. Mm -hmm. Earl, it, it, it's obvious that you've been listening to our show because you mentioned barbecue and you mentioned sports, you mentioned science, <laughs> all, all, the, all the things that, you know, really hit home for, we for like us. To talk about. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree with you. I, I think what it comes down to the word that pops into my head as I hear both of you speak is motivation, right? You mm -hmm. have to figure out what's going to motivate each person that you're trying to work with again and everybody's motivation could be different and one of the things that i think leaders don't spend enough time doing is understanding who the people are because once you understand them you know what motivates them and you know if if they just try to say oh i'm just kind of down one lane and i'm just going to motivate this one way and maybe it's fear, like, oh, I'm the authoritarian, right? You got to do it this way. and everybody, you know. Or maybe it's, ah, I'm just jovial. I'm going to joke all the time and everybody's going to love me, right? But if they don't take, you know, some people want the authoritarian. Some people want the people that, you know, is very amiable leader. But if you don't take the time to understand who the people are that you're managing, you could be totally missing. And um, 
you know, not getting the best results out of, out of those people. So I think, you know, as a leader, one of the things that I always encourage is the people that you're dealing with on an ongoing basis, take the time to understand them, get to know them and, and figure mm-hmm. out what, what really gets them going and motivates them to, you know, be the, yeah. the, the worker, you know, manager or person that you're looking for. Yeah. And, and, you know, this, this goes with like the, the last show that we did, uh, it was, you know, we, we had a, uh, he's, he's a podcaster. He's on our sports network. He came on, we're sort of talking about getting, getting started, right. The whole going back to the college days and, uh, you know, like my recommendation to him, take some psychology classes, right? (laughs) Like understand yourself and understand other people and, and, and read those books. I mean, you know, most, most of the books I read are, are, on psychology because that comes into play with leadership so much it's it's you you have to understand other people and you have to like just just because you know you think you understand them you might not like digging in and like oh man there's the 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 Brene Brown leadership book which is fantastic there's all these leadership books out there that are that are fantastic read them you know check them out but also hit over on the psychology side because I think that helps you as well when you're a uh, Just one addendum to what you're saying there, Russ, yeah. and I agree with you a hundred percent, but folks, and cause I've ran into too many leaders I've had to talk to about this very topic. Yes. Read, consume. I love reading. I get, as part of the podcast, I get sent books to, to at least spot read, you know, a couple, a couple books a week. But where you have to understand is these things are meant to be guides, not cookbooks, yep. right? It's not. Yeah. If I do what John Gordon says on page two, and then I do this thing he said on page 32, and then I do this, you're not going to get to those same results. That worked for him. And he's got yeah. a lot of great books out there, right? Um, right? But you have to take those pieces and personalize them for you. Don't regurgitate talking points. I don't care whose book you're reading. If it's mine when it comes out, don't regurgitate what I say. It's meant to give you an idea of how to handle a situation. You have to be able to personalize it for yourself and your people. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I read, uh, I love the Seth Gooden book. The uh, I never know how to say his last name. Gooden. Gooden. We want to get him on the show at some point. So I'm totally screwing up his name and that's that's not good. But um, the, the This Is Marketing book, you know, I, I read that years ago when I was in a different role at a different company. And I went through and I made notes. Now I'm in a different role at a different company. I'm rereading that book and redoing my notes for this company and for this situation because I was applying everything to that particular role. And now I need to go back and I need to refresh to the role that I'm in right now. So it's also thinking about not just yourself, but the situation that you're currently in and how your company is running. And yeah, you might need to go back and, you know, whatever, read, read some of these books yet again and, and, and adapt to the current situation. Uh, and they're good, (laughs) especially that one. That that's why someday he'll be on our show. Yeah. I think the concepts are really strong, but you, you just nailed it, Russ. It's like the adaptation of the concepts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's how are you going to use it in this situation versus, you know, the past company and, you know, one company could be more mature. One company could be totally in growth mode and, you know, it's, uh, it does take a difference. And, you know, Earl, I, I'm interested. You you mentioned that you speak to a lot of leaders. Uh, you're you're a public speaker on leadership, but tell us a little bit about that part of what the, what you do. 
Uh, yeah, and that's that's a piece that I'm I'm getting more and more into. You know, is is speaking on leadership uh, because I really want leaders to understand. So there's a piece of research I, I cite quite a bit. It was conducted back in 2012, um, and the, the gist of it is. Uh, the, the two main questions that were asked was, how old were you when you were promoted into a leadership slash management role? And when did you receive your first, how old were you when you received your first bit of leadership slash management training? <laughs> the, the answer to the first question was people would usually get promoted into a leadership management role somewhere in their early 30s. And the second question, the average was uh, somewhere in their early 40s when they received their first bit of training. Hmm. That's a 10, 12 year gap in between those, right? Yeah. So organizations aren't spending enough time uh, and effort in developing leadership, right? And that was the one thing that I got exposed to early in my life, uh, especially in the Marines. They started that day one, leadership development, leadership development. And so one of the things I talk about with responsible leadership is that's when it starts. Uh, Responsible leadership development means developing leadership day one as soon as people walk through the door. Well, Earl, surely you don't mean the janitor too. Yeah, I mean the janitor too, because you never know who that janitor is going to be. They may be your janitor today, but are they working on their, uh, are they working their MBA and the janitor is just how they're paying for it, right? Invest in them. And then, you know, there's the old saying, well, what happens if we spend all this time training them and they leave? You know, and the great response is what happens if we don't and they stay, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing with these shields where I've kind of, engineered and put them uh, in such a way, this is a ready-made, I can come in with these 11 leadership uh, shields, we can talk about them, we can build a day one leadership development program, and they can expand and evolve to to uh, grow with folks as they move through their leadership journey, because all these are doing is providing fundamentals. We can add the conceptual layers, you're talking about the layers of the onions, we can add those conceptual layers on top of this foundation and grow people. So by the time they mature into the, the C-suite, they have a very strong foundation that has grown through time. The bad habits haven't had a chance to creep in. And now you've got an excellent C-suite. And so that's some of the things that I like to, to point out during my, my public speaking is the importance of investing in leadership development, uh, because it touches every part of your organization. You can't have a diverse. Uh, you can't have a diverse workforce unless you have strong leadership. Yeah. You can't have an innovative workforce mm-hmm. unless you have strong leadership. Uh, you can't have a workforce that's willing to take risks unless you have strong leadership. Resiliency doesn't happen without strong leadership. Success doesn't happen without strong leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent on that. Uh, okay. If somebody wants to get more information. They want to listen to your podcast. They want to book you for a speaking engagement, all the various things that, uh, interactions that they may have with you. How do they do it? Yeah. So the, the, uh, website is leadership phalanx.com. That's leadership P H A L A N X.com. All one word. Uh, you will see a link to the podcast there, but always go check out the Electricast uh, uh, website and see all the great podcasts uh, that I'm happy uh, to be associated with now, especially the, the best business network. Um, you know, but if you want to reach out to me uh, directly, please feel free uh, at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. 
and uh, you know when the book is ready to go hopefully next spring time frame you'll be able to find it there uh, but yeah reach out I love having these conversations if you couldn't tell all right Earl thank you so much for joining us thanks a lot Earl a lot of fun and thank you for listening and subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on this podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based, and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to grow. We want it to succeed, and we are happy to take your questions. We would love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. If there's an area where you need solid business advice or help, let us know and we might be able to build an entire episode around it and get your questions answered. You can reach out to us by visiting diyforbusinesspodcast.com. That link is in the description and we've said it so many times, you got to have it memorized and hopefully bookmarked at this point. We thank you again for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business where you are not alone. Electric acid.